This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my friend James McRae. How's it going today, man? What's up, Matt? I'm doing great, chilling here in Austin. Great to connect with you. It's been a few months, so mm-hmm. always cool to hang. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Uh, for the listeners that aren't aware, you kind of go by Words Are Vibrations. It's kind of your brand um, that you've created just an incredible following with amazing art. Um, it's, you know, I guess technically memes, but the way that I look at it is art and poetry. Um, it's funny because you actually shifted how I look at memes. Um, I have been in the social media sphere for probably a decade now, and I'm very familiar with memes, but I almost always dismiss them as these are stupid. These are these have no real value. I'm not learning from them. I'm not growing from them. It's a cheap laugh. But as I started to see your stuff popping up um, on different people's profiles and reposts and stuff, I was like, damn, like that hits. Like it's hitting me in a spiritual way. And that is I resonate with that because that was the type of content I was proliferating out there into the into the world with my work. Um, and I was almost like, why didn't I think of that? You know, in a sense. So, you know, you're really hitting on some collective conscious expansion, uh, the awakening, you know, the psychedelic renaissance, all these things. You're really like hitting the nail on the head with that. And it feels like it's coming from a place that is informed. It feels like you've had these experiences. You have these thoughts. You have these understandings. And, and I really appreciate that. And you're able to share it in kind of a light mooded way where it's not like I'm this crazy deep philosopher and stuff, but like you are, but it's coming across in the fun, playful way. Um, what would you say about that? Yeah, man. Well, first of all, thank you. That's uh, are, that's a great compliment to say. Uh, yeah, I mean, memes with the, 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 the difference between memes and art is just, I mean, it's, it's a genre of art. Certainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I think that all art is made with the common tools and technology of any given time. Mm-hmm. So, like, we think of art in, in certain terms based on the the mediums of the past, whether that's oil painting or you know silk screening from Andy Warhol or Mm-hmm. Jean Michel Basquiat was a he used spray paint, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's only it's only logical that there would be some digital graphical evolution of art, especially as pertains to social media. Mm-hmm. You know, it's we have this idea in our head of um, an art gallery and an art exhibit, and that's that's real art. And it's like, well. We're meeting here on Zoom, you know, we're and we're we're it's it's a real conversation. Mm-hmm. So it's like social media can be a art gallery as much as anything else. So I've just really been experimenting with the meme as a format of art and writing. And it's yeah. really funny because it really is a it really is a, the combination of art and writing. Mm-hmm. Because you it, a meme is not a, a meme, especially a good one without a good balance of both. So I've been writing poetry for a really long time. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think, I think poetry in a lot of ways is the language of mysticism. 
Yeah. Because poetry is kind of an attempt to explain the ineffable. Yeah. Um, because poetry speaks the language of subtlety, nuance, and metaphor. And I think that those are the only ways you can really talk about the the divine or the transcendent. Mm-hmm. Um, because literal language falls short. <laughs> you know, I think like one of my favorite lines from the Tao Te Ching is the Tao that can be named is not the true Tao. Right. Because language, as great as language is, it's also limiting in, in, in so much as you can only describe things that you have words for and we're, and we only have so many words and we only have so many experiences to even create words from. Mm-hmm. So I think that words take us really far, but they also their usefulness, like and any, anyone who's done like a heroic dose of psychedelics knows this, right? There is, yeah. there is an edge where words le- use, they lose their usefulness. Right. It's like, how, like, 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 listen, like to anyone trying to like, explain their experience during a, a, a big psychedelic journey mm-hmm. and the words just fall short of really capturing it. Right. So poetry plays in that space of just like slightly beyond the reach of literal meaning. Mm-hmm. So I've always been a poet and I've, and I've always, for me, art and poetry have kind of been my spiritual path in a lot of ways and in, in, mm-hmm. in, in how I've, you know, just explored and come to understand spirituality. A lot of that is through writing mm-hmm. um, and poetic writing, whether that's Hafez from the you know the ancient Sufis or mm. you know Walt Whitman or William Blake, there's a lot of these kind of transcendent, illuminated poets and artists that are that have come and gone throughout history. So I've always kind of learned a lot through through that lens. Yeah. So uh, for me, it was after writing a lot of poetry and kind of, you know, in in a way mastering that craft, Mm -hmm. it's never mastered, but getting my own, you know, finding my own voice in that craft. Yeah. Um, and then like we live in the social media age now. Right. So I've just taken to these, so I I like technology. So Mm -hmm. I've always been curious about how to make art on social media. And then yeah, a few years ago, it kind of clicked to make memes that had a deeper meaning. So I just oh, kind of applied the same mindset that I had brought to my poetry and then uh, kind of combined that with the language of the internet. Like you were saying, it's lighthearted. Like yeah. memes, if a meme is too didactic or too heavy-handed or too serious, mm-hmm. the meme doesn't have the same potency. Because the language of the internet is inherently sarcastic and <laughs> a little, you know, just kind of absurd. Right. So, uh, so I've really tried to say, you know, to express profound thoughts that I might that I might have mm-hmm. through the the lighthearted somewhat sarcastic, somewhat absurd language of the internet. And it just so happens that that's what memes do. So um, it's been a, it's been a fun discovery to explore that as a, as, as a form of art. And then, you know, people respond to it, people share it. So it definitely cuts through in a way that a lot of tip, like an an essay might not, or I could give a a lecture on something and it might not, but memes kind of cut to the heart of a, Exactly. of an issue 
and and it compels people to to share it because it's just like it's there's there's a there's a there's a guttural response to it in a way. Yeah, I love the shareability of memes and specifically ones like yours. And there's two reasons I think that that it's so shareable. One is someone reposting saying I believe this, like me too. You know, I'm posting it because I also feel this way. And then the other way is just like, this is entertaining. This is funny. This is, you know, I, it adds to uh, my posting because it's going to shock these people that may see it. Um, more times than not, I'm posting it because I agree. Like, I'm like, I wholeheartedly agree with this. Otherwise, I don't post it. I might save it. I might send it to, to like one person I find it relevant to. Um, but if I'm posting it, like reposting, it's because like, I believe this and, um, you know, I don't like to like post things that don't really have value in the sense of it's just kind of silly or it's just a cat video or, you know, whatever, like those things are cute. I see those things too. Me and my girlfriend will show each other funny animal videos. But as far as like, you know, the public facing, like let's, let's explore consciousness together through the Zine Archive podcast. Like I, I don't repost much stuff, you know, but like you just hit the nail on the head so many times. You just the other day you posted about literal magic, you know, being just beyond linear thinking and belief systems. And then, you know, you're you're there. And of course, I've seen that. I've heard the quotes about that idea before. But just to see it as this visual representation metaphor, it just makes it so much easier to understand, you know? Yeah, man, there's a lot to that because people are visual learners. I think we all are, some more than others. Mm -hmm. And there's this whole, I've been discovering this whole theory on the alphabet versus the image. Mm -hmm. And there's actually a great book that I've been reading called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess. Mm. And this book theorizes that with the rise of the written alphabet came the suppression of holistic thinking and in particular the right side of the brain mm -hmm. and in particular the the feminine qualities of humanity and women in particular because what the written language does is it kind of locks the mind into this linear logical understanding mm -hmm. And it kind of like whatever is not part of that linear logical framework that you're reading, it gets kind of phased out. And it, it kind of like the world is living and breathing and always changing and it's all interdependent on everything. You know, we're, we are completely interdependent with nature and with each other mm -hmm. and it's a subtle gradual switch where if you, when you get locked into that, like when, it, when, when language and this like linear logical understanding of language gets grooved into the human mind, um, it's easy for things to become a mental abstraction. Mm -hmm. So it's like, look at, look at, like, look, look how wealth is measured in our society today. Like so many people make tons of money just from moving numbers around spreadsheets. And it's like, a, it's like, a, it's like a sleight of hand. It's like a magician's sleight of hand. It's like they're generating wealth by, do, by adding no value. So this is kind of like this met 
everything's become this intellectualized mental abstraction and that it can be traced back to the origin of the written language itself. So, I mean, I, I love language. I'm, I love writing, you know, so you can certainly do good things with language, but you can also do bad things with language. Like I think about like a legal contract is a way to literally box someone in through the use of language. It's a spell. Right. It's a spell that binds someone to the terms of the contract and it, okay. it paints you in this tight corner. That's, that's right. the intention of a contract. Right. Whereas a poem is kind of the opposite. It's, it's using language to set someone free and to, mm. and, and, to let, and to set their mind free. I love that. So it's really important to use language wisely. But back to the meme thing, when you see a simple, like a simple meme with a few words, but the, but the image is telling most of the story. Mm. There's something that cuts through that linear logical yeah, way of dissecting language and an understanding language, and it helps it 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 bypasses the intellectual objections and kind of cuts right to the heart. Yeah, so that's why it memes can be so powerful. Is the way that the information is processed is it's 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 a little more mm-hmm. right brained. It's a little yeah. more kind of holistic, and you, you let kind your of, guard down too you, as a viewer. Exactly. You know, because when it's so serious, like a scientific paper or whatever, not that many of us out here are sitting down reading those, you know, but uh, when we do, it could be if the, the formality of it almost beckons like, try and disprove me. You know what I mean? It's like exactly versus, yeah, what you're saying is this, it, it's an invitation to let your own mind wander down this path, at least for me. Um, that's beautiful. And, and my first uh, couple of experiences with poetry, although I did hear poetry and study poetry in school, I ne- it never really caught my attention um, until I was reading band lyrics. Um, you know, like really good bands that were speaking on philosophical stuff that I did not understand at all. I would literally, I remember printing them out. This is before smartphones. Printing them out at home, taking them and studying these band lyrics in the r- classroom instead of the book I'm supposed to be reading, you know, like in German band class. was it? Uh, both Nine Inch Nails and Tool. Nice. And and it was because I, I, it's like, I love this music. What are they talking about? I, I don't know. Like, I love every word. I love every vibration I'm getting, but I don't know what they're saying. It's so cryptic. It's so mysterious. So I would take it home. I would take it and, and, and try and download and try and st- literally study it. And be, what does this mean? What could this mean? And I think this was before I had really a good understanding of what poetry was. Um, I was thinking there was like one meaning. I was thinking there was just one meaning and I'm going to figure it out. But like as I grew and I started to learn what poetry and lyrics are and stuff, I was like, oh, it's like you can interpret this however you want. You know, where, totally. where where you're at in your life and your consciousness level and your experiences, they can mean totally different things. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's, that's, uh, yeah, that's kind of like when you apply that, that linear logical mindset to poetry and, and there's, and then you start to read, read into it in a very specific way. I think that's probably common for for people getting into stuff like that. Cause I think, um, I mean, like I, I, it reminds me of like, um, 
the 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 guy who killed John Lennon because mm. he was convinced that there was messages in the Beatles music that was talking to him. Mm. <laughs> and he's like, oh, they're saying this because he he wasn't able to kind of think of it think of the music abstractly. Sure. So um yeah, and th- and that's why it's so powerful because it's it's it speaks in uh, the language of nuance and that's what I love about art in general because when you think about politics like it's very binary. It's sure. like are you voting for this or are you voting against it? Are you are you on this party or are you on this party? And right. it kind of unfortunately it kind of has to be binary in a way because it's 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 either or choices. Mm-hmm. And science is like that, and mathematics is certainly like that. There's an answer, and there's a right answer and a wrong answer. Mm-hmm. Although mathematics is very beautiful as well, when you actually learn about numerology, math- mathematics is a very beautiful field of study. But that's what I love about art is there's no dogma, mm-hmm. meaning like, oh, which which novel is the is the right novel? Well, there's no right novel. There's right. different novels teach you different things and they exhibit different styles mm-hmm. and perspectives and they all can coexist without contradicting each other. Mm-hmm. And I just love that. And like, I love that as a lesson to apply to things like religion and spirituality right. where it's like, Oh, well, which God is the right God? Yeah. You know, which, which, which uh, practice is the right practice. I think that more in the, along the lines of literature or art where none of them are right. They're all stylistic examples of a way to engage with divinity. Mm-hmm. And they can and they and they can all coexist without contradicting each other. Because right. yeah. for me, that's what mythology is. Like every religion presents a, a system of, of mythology. And uh, it's not literal. It's it's figurative. It's 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 meta, it's it's a metaphor for something. So it's like I, I'm like, well, which 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 myths and which metaphors feel good to you? Which ones resonate with you? And just like go with those right. without fooling yourself into believing that you've suddenly that you that you, ha- that you have the right answer and everyone else doesn't have the right answer. There right. are many right answers. It's just a matter of personal preference. Totally. I agree. Yeah. Well said. Um, yeah. What that makes me think is similar to like the Tao Te Ching. Um, what the art or poetry or lyrics are asking is for you to almost read between the lines and come up with your own conclusions. I feel like it's enabling you to be a discoverer, you know, discover mm. what it means to yourself. And as you were saying some of those things, I, I, had this funny little visualization of people at one of these band concerts, like let's say Tool, where they're all singing the lyrics together and they're fully bringing their heart energy in. But to this person over here, it's about the ex-girlfriend that he's letting go and he's in, he's he's beyond it now. And to this person over here, they're connecting with God and the energy of God. And it's like, it's interesting how Early on, when I was reading these lyrics, I, it was meaning to me, these are experiences with people, because that's all I had. All I had was people experience. Like, they made me feel this, they made me feel that, this type of way of looking at the world. After some of these ex- psychedelic experiences, I'm starting to see, reading through the lines, 
oh, this is about me and myself. That other is me. It's my shadow. It's that darkness, that blind spot I have, like these types of ideas. Um, so if you want to speak on that, but but also I was curious, do did you ever get into lyrics or was it mostly poetry? Oh, I love lyrics. I mean, the the most of the quote poetry I consume these days is through song lyrics. Mm-hmm. Because it's not it's not like I have a preference necessarily, but I think that if you just look at the past 50 years, let's say, the most talented so many of the most talented writers have gravitated towards the genre of music. Cause we just like our culture just supports music more so than poetry. There's, there's more, mm-hmm. there's more economy around it. Mm-hmm. Um, rock stars have a lot more appeal than poets. <laughs> sure. And a lot of, but rock stars are poets. I mean, there's a long history of, and, and, and not only that, if you look back at the origin of poetry, it used to be connected to song. You know, these were, you know, oral recitations that would often be done in accompanying um, a lyre or some kind of a, you know, musical accompaniment. The lute. Um, <laughs> the what? The lute. <laughs> the lute, yeah. yeah. So even, uh, like, even I think the the poet, the Sufi poet Hafez, I, I even believe his poems were originally songs mm. that were done in a comp- um, to accompany the the sufi you know whirl the the practice of whirling around in a circle yeah i've tried that and it, it made me sick i was Definitely. like how does anyone do this i mean it did alter my consciousness i give you that but i was spinning man for like five minutes and i was like being dizzy will do that i mean it's like it, yeah. it disorients your senses totally which i could see it enabling you to kind of crack into something yeah. beyond totally. but uh no so I, I i just think a lot of um the best writers the best poets of the past 50 years have been songwriters yeah jim morrison I'm, comes to mind jim morrison bob dylan john let john lennon um i mean even 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 bowie um, I mean, I, I love Taylor Swift's lyrics, you know, like I, I love Lana Del Rey's lyrics and, and like, look at a lot of the rappers, you know, that, that is such a high art form, Yeah, you know, like Jay-Z or, 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 or just the, the pure technical skills of someone like Eminem. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like these, these are, these are, these are highly skilled wordsmiths totally. and, um, you know, in, in music, you don't always get you don't always get deep music, but sometimes it's just skill. Like I don't learn a lot from Eminem's lyrics, but as a as a as a as a lyrical technician, yeah. it's just really impressive. Yeah. So I I love uh, I love words and I love language, and I think that songwriting is some of the best um, poetry awesome. around. That's great to hear. Very cool. Yeah, I resonate with that for sure. Um, but I did want to learn, you know, because you are so good at kind of, uh, transmitting these higher thoughts, uh, we'll just say, how did you get into the spiritual path? How did you find your spiritual path? Um, you know, because it's either people are kind of born into families where the spiritual path is kind of, uh, cultivated 
or it's psychedelics in a lot of cases where people have this non-ordinary experience and need to make sense of it. So they start to study stuff. Um, and other people are just born gifted and uh, or are looking for some relief from some type of suffering or some type of trauma that perhaps they've uh, been through. And so they're looking for answers. And it's a different path for everyone. You know, when I first began this, I thought everyone was coming to the path the same way I did. But that was just my being young and naive of like, oh, all these people know about the psychedelic realm. But no, you know, a lot of these people on the healing path, the spiritual path, they're in yoga with me, never had an experience like that. And they just found themselves in the same room. So that's been, you know, an interesting way uh, for me to understand that people are finding the spiritual path from all these different ways. But but for you, how did it happen? Around what age were you and and what was some of the media or the content or the books or podcasts or videos you were watching that, you know, that, that helped awaken you or, or what was it that was the kind of uh, catalyst for your awakening? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's just been, it's just, been, it's been so gradual. Mm-hmm. I, I, I grew up in the Christian tradition as Same. many of us did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was, we were, you know, the kind of family that we we were in church every Sunday. I was going to like youth group stuff. I was even like for a few years there. I went to like this private Christian elementary school. So that was my first exposure. I kind of grew up in it. Mm-hmm. So people were, you know, I was hearing the Bible stories and just learning essentially biblical philosophy, whatever. And uh, it's funny when things like Christianity can really, you can go a lot of different ways from that because, you know, I don't know. I don't think that the contemporary (laughs) Christian church is a very um, potent destination mm-hmm, mm-hmm, for spiritual mm-hmm. inquiry not yeah. n- nothing against it i just think that it's a lot of it is you know it, it is it is what it is mm-hmm. and i think a lot of people don't find meaning in it and kind of rebel against it mm-hmm. and then and then um you know become atheists really a, a lot of the time because it's like oh yeah yeah. I'm, you know, so like if someone's like, like, let's say someone's homosexual and they're and their and their church tells them that they are, mm-hmm. uh, that that's a sin, right. then they're gonna like they're gonna say fuck you, like right. I'm I'm out and like I'm I'm throwing all your little Bible verses out. Yeah, well, for <laughs> me, know? I grew up Catholic as well, and it was because yeah. I never had a direct experience with anything divine that I was like i'm 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 not believing this anymore you know totally i'm 11 years old i've been in this since i was five i've not seen god i've not heard god i've not had an inkling of god you know so what am i believing here (laughs) that's that was my example you know so for me in my church was pretty chill like honestly I, i grew up in a small town in minnesota but like my church was like basically like a hippie church Mm-hmm. So like it was, you know, they were they were they were serious, but it wasn't like overly dogmatic or like 
suppressive in a way that a lot of churches are. So I, even though I kind of like, I kind of reached a point where I was like, okay, like I, I bought the idea of God. Like I was pretty confident with that because I just always growing up with that since I was little, I always felt like I had some kind of a personal connection to, you know, God, Mm -hmm. spirit, the divine. So I was confident with that, but I was also like, all right, pretty sure this God thing exists. In in other words, there is some kind of a design to the universe, Mm -hmm. uh, an intelligent design that is serving our souls in some way or that we are in a symbiotic relationship with. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I kind of think now we are, we are all just, you know, a different expression of mm-hmm. some sort of God. And we are, and, and like God is the collective sum of all of our perspectives, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? We're all just like, all, God is consciousness itself, yeah. In other words, and we're just, and we just exist within that consciousness network. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure this God thing is real, but I don't think that he or she or it lives within the walls of this church. <laughs> right. So I kind of, um, I didn't throw, in other words, I didn't throw the baby with the bathwater. I preserved yeah. this idea not in a specific God, but in, in, in the idea of divinity. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that just kind of like set me on a, a path of wandering, you know, and, and, and really what I latched onto was art mm-hmm. and, and music and poetry. And so many of my teachers were the, 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 the music I was listening to, you mm-hmm. know, and the poets I was reading Same. and the art and the artists that I was studying. I really, I really tapped into art as, you know, just like we're, we're made in the image of God, they say, or we are all, you know, we are all creations from God, from source, from that universal creative essence. Mm-hmm. And we, in turn, create art as an expression of ourselves. So it's kind of like art is to us mm-hmm. what we are to God. <laughs> so I always just like I, I just love that overlap and and I and I think that creativity and making art is a spiritual activity because yeah. you're tapping into an un, an unseen realm. I mean, yeah. what is imagination? What is intuition? These are literal transmissions from unseen dimensions. Yeah. yeah. Quite literally. Where does an idea come from? Right. Like one second it's not there, then it pops in. Like mm-hmm. we are getting transmissions, and an, yeah. it's hard to for some people to wrap their head around that. But just like look, what is the wh- where is your imagination coming from? If you get a feeling of intuition, where is that coming from? And and every artist will attest to this, where it's like, oh, I you I wrote something down, and I'm like, well, where did that come from? Mm-hmm. There's these are like little transmissions, and then we use our you know, we, we have these amazing hands that are designed with the Fibonacci sequence that are perfectly mm-hmm. um, proportioned to yeah. to hold a brush or to um, to hold a pen or to dance or to whatever, which is expressing the these ideas that we get from these unseen dimensions. <laughs> so I I just really jumped into this idea of art as 
a spiritual practice and like yeah i love that um i don't really care to give that a name like i don't i don't i don't need to have a name for god i don't need to like tell you what because i don't know like no one knows right so i i just like that's just what i gravitate towards and then along that path i also found like buddhism and taoism um you know things that are a little bit more a little bit more um right right brained or or more just holistic in their thinking Mm -hmm. a little more poetic you know whether that's zen haikus you know things like that things that just inspire a pondering yeah rather than forcing an answer Mm -hmm. so that's always what i've been drawn to and then i didn't get into psychedelics for a little while because I, I, I growing up in Minnesota, especially in a small town, mm-hmm. they weren't really around. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't get into psychedelics until I moved to New York City. Because oh, wow. in New York How City, how old were you at that point? Thirty. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd smoke cannabis. Sure. Um, and I think I it's a psychedelic. A lot of people don't, but for me, that it, those are some of my early altered states of consciousness that led me down this whole rabbit hole. Was oh yeah, happy. I mean, uh, a strong edible mm-hmm. is definitely a psychedelic. That too. I have a yeah, I have a quick story on that, which was, uh, and a lot of people know this, where you eat up the first brownie and you don't feel anything, so you eat the second brownie, and then they compound. And you say, what the fuck did I do? That was one of my first mystical experiences. Um, but I wanted to ask, you know, but before psychedelics, had you had an experience with God? Um, a firsthand where you feel like you're connecting directly to God or to source or to a higher power um, before psychedelics? Mm, yes and no i mean it's hard we we need to like look at these words a little bit it's like Mm -hmm. connection to god that could mean a lot of things Mm -hmm. um where you just recognize god or it's almost what comes to your mind oh my god you know (laughs) yes sort of i mean i think i've had some uh euphoric experiences yeah like okay here's here's an example like Mm -hmm. I feel like I had like this moment of like spontaneous Satori mm. in like high school. Okay. I was like, um, I was working, I had this weird job where I was working at a radio station and I was like basically the DJ on a, this country music radio station. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> in my senior year in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was alone in the studio. It was like at the night, it was like a night shift. Mm-hmm. and I had the whole studio to myself and I would just play music mm-hmm. and I didn't like country music at the time. So I was mostly, I would like turn down the music in the studio mm-hmm. and play my own music <laughs> <laughs> that I could listen to while I was playing country music on the radio. That's funny. But I mentioned this because it was just this weirdest thing. I don't think about this very often, but I remember I went to, I, I went to go sit outside and I just had this overflowing, euphoric knowing that I'd never experienced before. And it was like everything was alive. Mm. And I just felt so connected, so in touch. And I just kind of, it was kind of like 
realizing that you're existing in eternity. Because mm-hmm. we're, we're all existing in eternity. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, technically it's a Friday right now and it's in January and the year is 2023. So we get, our, our minds get fixated on these little blocks of time. Sure. But each moment is literally a slice of eternity. We are in eternity right now. I love that. So that's what I felt like. And I just yeah. felt so alive. And, and I remember I wrote, a, I wrote a poem in that state where I was just like celebrating life itself. So there was no, there was no God in the sense of an, of an other. Like it wasn't like I got this appearance or this like visitation. It was that it was all God, mm. including me and including the ants that were on the floor and including the grass outside and the build and the, even the brick building, it was all God. Um, I love that. So I feel like I've maybe tapped in, I definitely kind of tapped into that feeling a few times or like mm-hmm. one time I remember I was, um, I was like sitting in my car and I was looking at a flower out the window Mm-hmm. And I suddenly got, I had this like vision of that flower, like zooming into the minute cells of that flower and seeing the depth of space yeah. and time within this flower. Where, I've like, had that <laughs> feeling on mushrooms. Is that where Sunflower Club comes from? No, but. <laughs> okay. But close. But uh, yeah, so like Love I've that. had these, and that, and that was before, you know, before psychedelics as well. Got it. So I definitely have had had a few moments where it just felt like this kind of like spontaneous uh, and brief satori, where I just yeah. felt connected to all things, and and and, and again, it's it's all God. We're we're, we're living yeah. in we're living in the soup of God. <laughs> totally, I love that. That that takes me back to a couple of early memories where, you know, I knew something else was at play. Um, and I didn't know it to be the God I envisioned when I was a Christian. I had a very specific vision or image of God when I was a Christian, which has completely, you know, been transformed through all my experiences now. But when I started to get the hint that something else was at play was when I was a kid, you know, five years old and stuff, I would have recurring dreams where the same thing would happen in the dream night after night. And my understanding of dreams at that time was these are like random thoughts, random occurrences, just kind of brainwaves bumping into each other, coming up with funny things. But when I would have the same dream over and over and over the same dream, I started to say, hold on, something out there is trying to show me something. Something is trying to get me to like pay attention because these are not chance this is not chance that I'm having recurring dreams like this. Um, it's trying to, you know, like it, it felt like dreams were chance up till that point. And yeah. then, but what would the chance be if it's the same thing night after night after night, so many yeah. nights in a row that the chance would be one in a bajillion, Yeah, you know, statistically. And so I started to say, so something's going on that I don't understand. Um, but I, I didn't connect it to the idea of God. Um, but I will say I've been connected to the weird my whole life for whatever reason i used to love aliens i still do of course but like i was just magnetically drawn to like the gray alien toys or the movies about aliens or we would be at the 
the corner store and there was like a little UFOs caught on tape, buy it. And I'd beg my parents, please, please, can I have it? You know, I don't know why, but I was connected to the weird from an early age for sure. Well, you're been a, you, you're a seeker. You've been trying to like that. That's one entry point to crack the code of the universe. You know, I, I don't think we can crack the code of the universe, but there are a lot of little, there are a lot of little slivers where you can, you, you can try to crack open that door a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And aliens are certainly one. Yeah. I mean, dreams could be another. I think dreams are, I, I don't have a very profound dream life. I think a lot of dreams are random. I've like one way I've heard, I've heard it described is that all of your memories from that day are getting sorted and stored when you sleep. Absolutely. So there's movement and your your memories are being stored and 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 there's brain activity that can register as, you know, something visual. But I think we can get messages in any number of ways. I think I think that and I'm still trying to to, to perfect this right in my own life. But I think when you're truly tuned in and when you're present, I think that reality itself is an Oracle mm-hmm. that's giving you feedback 24 seven mm-hmm. and it's, and, and, and signs and signals are part of that feedback loop and they can come in any number of ways you might. I've met homeless people in central park mm-hmm. that told me the most profound things yeah you know like you can you just a random encounter on the street that can that that might be random that might also be an oracle where the universe is giving you a message 100%. so i've had that with song lyrics where like a certain song lyric will come on at a certain time and it just feels like oh this is a message that i'm receiving Mm-hmm. or like someone gives you a book and it just happens to be exactly what you needed at, th- at that time. Yeah. So I think when we know how to look and listen, there are signs all around us. And yeah. I think dreams are just one of many vehicles for the universe to communicate with us. 100%. I love those little uh, Easter eggs that we'll catch if we're aware. And it's funny how we could just not be aware in that moment and the Easter egg would have appeared and we would have just not seen it. Um, but I had an Easter egg like that. And I swear, I, I even wrote it down. I'd have to go to my notes to find out exactly what they said. But I, I was in Austin a few weeks ago. And as I was leaving uh, Casa de Luz, have you been there? It's delicious. Oh, all the time. And delicious. Yeah. So I was leaving. And there was these two older guys playing guitar and singing outside Casa de Luz. And... Um, they like ended their song and that's like the, the time when I'm walking by and they say the most Taoistic Zen proverb level. Like if you're listening, you're about to get an enlightenment wave shit to each other about that song that they just played together. And I caught it and I, it was a, it was a nod from the universe. It was like, Whoa, I just heard some deep shit and they said it so casually. And it's almost like in the movies where, these like old farmers or, or like someone you wouldn't have expect to have this deep level of knowledge just totally just whips it out. And you're like, wow, you know what I mean? So I remember I had to go to the, I went to the bathroom after I heard them say that and I wrote it in my notes. I was like, 
whatever they said there, it was it was a synchronicity. Do you know what it was? Do you remember I, what it was? I don't remember right now. I would have to look it up. But um, okay. it was, you know, several weeks ago. And it was the uh, probably another reason I wrote it down was the, it was synchronistically aligned with another journey I had had. I'm thinking it was ayahuasca. Um, some insight I had on ayahuasca weeks later was being said by these gentlemen in the most unlikely place at the most unlikely time. And I was yes, just like, well, Dude. you know, have, having been to Casa de Luz on several occasions, it's, I think the, the, the likelihood of them, of those gentlemen being on ayahuasca is not zero. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it, it's, it's very, it's, it's a very hippie yeah. new agey food spot. Totally. I love it. There's definitely some weirdos right. out there. But the one thing that made, it made me think, though, was like it was just a five, ten second comment, and like I, I could have walked out ten seconds later and not heard it. I could have decided not to eat there that day. So many things could have not right. happened for it to for me to hear this. And yeah, exactly. Was, and and who knows, you know, um, how the universe works. Like it, it's 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 possible that if you, if your day had gone differently by chance and you had ended up in a bookstore instead, mm-hmm. you might've heard, overheard something in the bookstore that was the same thing. You know, like in other words, you, that was your message to receive and you were going to receive it regardless of the circumstances. Mm-hmm. That's, that was just the way that, that, that it was delivered. Totally. It's just like, I think it's just the most important thing is just to be Keep keep your eyes open. Keep your ears open, right. and any moment of the day is 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 the possibility of um, something profound happening. It's like it's all, every 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 second is sacred. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I personally interpret synchronicities that aren't just like a mundane synchronicity, because you know I, I'm a fan of throwing eye drops and and on it, you know, on his most recent video, he he puts about the eleven eleven and. The twelve twelve, you know, it's a weak synchronicity, more or less, because we're always looking at our phone. So there's a high likely chance that we're going to see one of these repeating number patterns. And, and I tend to agree, although at the beginning of my awakening, those were definitely shocking. Um, but these days, it takes a deeper level where I'm like, eh, you know, it's not just a little thing. It's, it's like it hits you in a way that's only had these most recent happenings uh, happen that it even makes sense for me to even be able to analyze it and make sense of it um is is like a strong synchronicity in my mind um and psychedelics certainly tend to open our awareness up to the point that we're more uh aware of those things but there's also a a a double-edged sword to them where if you take too many psychedelics for too long you can start to make everything seems like a synchronicity and everything isn't a synchronicity, you know? Right. That's almost like the, um, almost being like in the conspiracy loophole slash rabbit hole mm-hmm. where you're reading too much into everything. Right. And I've been there when I first learned about the Illuminati. Like, sure. The very beginning of Illuminati, I started to see the whole world was informed on Illuminati. And I'm the only awake one. You know what I mean? I'm talking, I'm 16 years old or something. I I saw the triangles everywhere. It was like, oh my God. (laughs) I I see that all the time. Um, I was uh, a couple days ago on Twitter. There was this, you know, somewhat 
somewhat viral video of a basketball game. Mm-hmm. And it was uh, the Golden State Warriors. And there was this play where Draymond Green had the ball. Mm-hmm. And then Clay Thompson was running behind him. And then out of nowhere, Clay Thompson has the ball. <laughs> like it just, it, it's like a cut. Like Draymond clearly has the ball. Mm-hmm. And then no pass is seen and then suddenly clay thompson has the ball and right. it looks freaky and everyone was like it's all fake it's a hologram the whole, like 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 not only like in not 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 only in the sense that like basketball is rigged but mm-hmm. like reality as we know it is a program right. and like and you're seeing evidence of the simulation right here was like this is a little glitch and it's all like computer generated or something and everyone was so convinced i think you saw that katie perry glitch too right well but here's the deal there's (laughs) another there's an uh, and then and then i saw that highlight on like the the, the official like nba Mm -hmm. um like instagram page Mm -hmm. from a different angle and it was like you clearly see draymond pass the ball but the way clay was running behind him it covered up you couldn't see the ball at all, but from no, uh, from another angle, it was like super clear. Mm-hmm, <laughs> and mm-hmm. then, so that was just such a good reminder. Where it's like, oh yes, like I don't know, information can be deceiving, and you just need to be like very careful with what you believe, whether that's believing too much in the mainstream narrative or believing too much in the conspiracy and Illuminati narrative. It's like. I love this quote by the poet Mary Oliver. She says, something, I'm paraphrasing, leave some room in your heart for the unimaginable. <laughs> in other words, don't just believe what you see outright. Remain curious. Don't get too locked into like, oh, I'm, I'm seeing patterns everywhere or everything is, you know, I'm not seeing patterns anywhere. Just... Being open-minded, curious, not locked into any particular belief system, but just being like, hmm, interesting. I wonder what that's all about. Because I think that, again, I don't think we can, I don't think we think the human intelligence is capable of cracking the code of reality. Maybe we get that code when our spirit leaves the body. But I think when we're in these (laughs) human shells with the, the brain capacity that we have, we can only figure out so much with certainty. And again, back to psychedelics, anyone who's has had a heroic dose of psychedelics will know that like how flimsy our perception of reality really is. Like these things that we just take for granted and like what, what you see is all there is psychedelics will break that illusion rather quickly. So I think, I think like having this, um, um, there's this the phrase used by the the, the writer Robert Anton Wilson was um, mystical agnosticism. Yeah, I think it's like a, a, having a, a healthy dose of mystical agnosticism, where you're like, oh, interesting, huh? And, exactly. and, and and being able to ponder things without latching onto it as like a certainty. Hundred percent, I agree. And uh, the game changing. Uh, aspect of it for me is when I started to look at these synchronicities or whatever the signs or whatever they were and I would ask how does it apply to me and how can I take any action that actually will have significant value in my life from it because 
you could just be a guy that watches YouTube conspiracy videos all day for a week straight, for three weeks straight, for 10 months straight, and you don't do anything with it. You just like watching it and the little mind loops that you go in while you watch it, but it doesn't actually inform any decisions that you actually make about your life. In fact, you're kind of in paralysis, you know? So, so as I started to say, well, how does this teaching or how does this sign or how does the synchronicity confirm or affirm or, you know, tell me not to do a thing that maybe I've been on the fence about, can it push me over the edge to maybe take, take a courageous moment and, and try something I'm afraid to do? Can it maybe uh, tell me that don't do that thing? It's a, bad, it's a bad time to do it. Like, just listen to this thing. You know, for example, a flat tire. I've gotten flat tires handful of times. They usually, the, what, the synchron, the, what I'm trying to take from it is I was not meant to be somewhere on time. You know what I mean? It's just a little weird of a, a way. It's, it's like there's a, there's a little God wink for the reason I missed that green light or the reason I got a flat tire or the reason my client's running late or whatever it might be that, you know, th- th- there's something to glean from. It's not just let's ha- be entertained by these conspiracy theory rabbit holes and don't do anything in life. Yeah, no, certainly you can, you can definitely get stuck in that loop. Um, you know, I think that it can be very dis- disempowering mm-hmm. if you, if, if you think, and listen, the, the world is controlled. I mean, there's no, I mean, <laughs> I, 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 me and you aren't the ones that control it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like that's not, um, that shouldn't be too controversial. The, the economy and, and the global government and financial system are in control of people whose faces we don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, that can be disempowering, especially when you get into the details of it. Um, and uh, yeah, what action does it prompt? Like on the, on the extreme end, you might want to be some kind of a, you know, some kind of a extremist hero and try to like take down the system. Good luck with that. <laughs> and I want to add, I want to add that to correct myself, what positive action because yeah, totally. you can, you can no, take totally. some weird conspiracy-fueled paranoid action that's not really helping you. What positive action can I take from this? How so can this I, help me? Exactly. I I think the I think the video game metaphor is a good one because um, you know, I don't know. I'm I'm really out of the loop on video games, but let's say that, you know, Mario Mm-hmm. is saving the princess or whatever. Um, yeah, that castle is controlled by forces against Mario. <laughs> right. Right? I mean, I don't know. Who, is that Bowser's castle? I don't know what the bad guy's name is. But I think so. It, it is controlled by nefarious forces mm-hmm. that are attempting to keep him away from his goal. Period. Mm-hmm. But if you play the game right, Mm-hmm. you can save the princess, right? Like you can world. The world is tricky like that. Like, yes, all the cards are stacked against us. And also miracles happen all the time. Yeah. And you can make change and art can change things. And like, you know, the right song can change the world, mm-hmm. the right poem that connects to the heart. Like I, I was thinking lately, like I believe, I truly believe this. The authority of the poet 
is greater than the authority of kings. Mm. Because a king, that. a king can make can pass a law. Mm-hmm. He, he can um, he can pr- proclaim a decree that changes the laws of the kingdom, mm-hmm. but only the poet can change the hearts and the minds of the people. Hundred percent. And kings come and go, mm-hmm. and their laws get changed over time. The words of the poet echo across history, yeah, and they're lodged in a collective memory. Thousand percent. So. It may not seem like we have a lot of power in the moment, especially when you're kind of sucked into how the world is controlled, mm-hmm. but we have more power than we, we give ourselves credit for. Right. And we are conduits for miracles. Absolutely. And we have to take action. We have to, we have to have faith in our own purpose and in our own path. Mm-hmm. And we can overcome tremendous odds. Not to say we can change the world forever, but we can change the world around us yeah. and we can, um, we 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 can put ourselves in a different position within the within the game, yeah. And we can inspire others to do the same. So, right. we, and for me, creativity is the solution. Mm-hmm. Creativity is how we outsmart the, you know, because I think evil is real. I don't think evil is creative. I think evil is a certain kind of dead energy, yeah, and, we, and crea- creativity can surpass it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, couple of ideas came up there. One was that as above, so below, as you kind of clear your microcosm, the macrocosm is also affected. And therefore you can start to create change in the, in, in the world totally by making change in your life. Bingo. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, resonate deeply with that. Um, I think that was the the main tidbit there actually to explore. But, but before we run out of time, I did want to dip into after psychedelics, um, after psychedelics, did anything change? Did you at that point have an experience with God or, or the mystical level of consciousness and, um, what have psychedelics done, if anything, to, to inform you, uh, spiritually or, uh, you know, j- just, even intellectually uh, about what is all going on here. Totally. Um, let's see. There are definitely a few elements. Mm-hmm. Um, let me think about this. I would say that plant medicine has definitely humbled me in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, intellectually, mm-hmm. um, questioning my own certainties about things mm-hmm. because you realize how quickly your reality can so, so drastically alter and any of the preconceived conclusions that you thought you had kind of go out the window. And in some ways they're, they're validated in a bigger, broader way, (laughs) but like what you thought you knew kind of, uh, evaporates. Right. So I, I think like having intellectual humility and curiosity, um, is, is definitely something that I've taken away. Mm -hmm. Also, 
it's pr- not that I ever had like the, a, a huge fear of death mm-hmm. because I've always had that c- connection to there being some type of a God. And like, I don't think life, um, I don't think this is a life and an afterlife. I think it's all life. Mm-hmm. I think it's all just a continuation of in some, in some form. Right. Yeah. Consciousness lives on whether, 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 we, you know, whether we retain our memories and take them with us and et cetera, as a different story. But I think it's life always goes on. It's like electric like energy cannot be created or destroyed. It just changes form. Yeah. But especially after psychedelics, I feel like I don't fear death because I think I've seen that there's more out there than we can perceive on a, on a daily basis. Right. So kind of having a certain trust in the, in the, in the, in the letting go of the ego. Yeah. And what you think, cause I even, you know, when I, it's always a, str- the, for me there, I've, I've never really had like a bad trip mm-hmm. where things like, cause I think bad trips are there. If, if, if you're, if you're on a certain, it, I don't want to say this in a way that sounds, um, but like it's it's kind of it's a bit of a reflection of where you are in your life. If you have a chaotic life and maybe you are, are in a place of fear and a, a place of um, addiction, or um, you're in some kind of an abuse cycle, that can definitely get reflected back in that journey. It, it probably will. So mm-hmm. it's very important to do these things when you're in the right state of consciousness. Right. Um, so I've never had a bad, bad trip, but I've, it, but it's always bad momentarily. It's all for, and, and for me, that momentary, mm-hmm. um, that moment where it's bad is when you're kind of transitioning into the depth of the journey because yeah. that's where the ego starts to break down. Right. And I'm never like scared, but it's always uncomfortable. It's always yeah. like, I, I get like my stomach starts to hurt and, mm-hmm. it, and it kind of feels heavy and you're, you're kind of, and what that is, is that's, that, that's, that's your ego starting to fade yeah. and you're kind of moving into this more expansive, um, <laughs> beyond realm. Yeah. And that's always painful for me. Cause mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh and that's the pain of the ego f- kind of fighting against it. Right. You've and, seen movies where like yeah. um, the red lights will come on and the, the alarms will start sounding <laughs> because there's an intruder or there's a lockdown. That's the kind of way I think of it. Yeah. Where our ego is like going into that protection mode. It's like, bam, 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 bam. You know, the, the red lights coming on and it's like something's happening. We're going somewhere, you know, and, and it's like trying to hold on and it doesn't regret going once it goes, but it's just this self defense mechanism the the ego is trying to protect itself. It's trying to stay in the captain's seat. Totally. So just having experienced that process enough even though it's painful, I, I kind of, I know that it's safe to let go. Mm-hmm, exactly. So it's like, how can I apply that to my regular life? Yeah. And it's like, it could be anything, but it's like, if I, if my ego feels triggered or if I feel like I need to like exert force to protect mm-hmm. my ego or to protect, you know, myself from something that I don't want and my ego is resisting I'm getting better at saying, 
I'm going to, it's, it's safe to let go. Because mm-hmm. it's actually if if you fight like just like I just, I'm, I have a new um, book that I'm finishing up right now, awesome ab- about creativity, mm-hmm. and it's like li- like little things are like oh the, the the publisher want wants me to change the title or like to take out this chapter and and things like that, and those were a few moments where where it was kind of like my ego was resisting and it's like no i don't want to change the title right. and and my and my ego wants to kind of fight back mm-hmm. and i guess there, there could be a time to fight back you know if if you if you believe in your ideas and whatnot sure but for me it was like a, a lesson in surrender mm-hmm. where it's like hey maybe maybe my idea isn't the best idea here right. maybe there is maybe, maybe this is an opportunity to let that ego devolve dissolve a bit into a more expansive truth right and then maybe these ideas that i'm fighting against are actually better and i don't want to believe that because it's not it wasn't my idea mm-hmm. but if but can i just surrender my ego and like set down my resistance and see what what is beyond that right and then and now i'm like oh yeah this actually is better Love like i'm that. actually happy about this decision so it's kind of taught me to like it's okay to let go of the ego it's okay to like lose control lose your own ego control of the situation Mm -hmm. and trust how it's going to unfold and just step forward one step at a time into this uncertainty Mm -hmm. as opposed to needing to know Mm -hmm. you know needing to be in control Right. Like just loosen your grip a little bit as you float through life. That's 100%. definitely been one of the most important lessons I've learned. I love that. That's great. Yeah, I'd like to speak on that a little, um, which is once you've integrated the psychedelic experience, um, as it sounds like, you know, you have the, you're able to do that then without ceremony. You, you're able to, in your own mind, weigh the odds and come to a peaceful conclusion without the ego kind of getting in its defense mode and attack mode and back into a corner mode. Um, Once you've integrated medicines, you're able to do that. Uh, I will say for someone who hasn't integrated that idea or it's just so hard for them to even conceive of that that other person might be right, um, that is a good intention to go into a ceremony with. Now, I want to say, I'm not saying do it every weekend because you have a hard decision to make every weekend. It has to be a really hard decision. It needs to be like a life pivoting like decision, like the, like about a breakup or a job change or a, or a move a move somewhere or like a career thing or a big project like. I would say save these psychedelic tools for really a place where you're you're maybe stuck and you need some guidance. But in the example, let's just use your example of someone's asking me to change the book name. I don't want to from this perspective of someone who hasn't had psychedelic experiences and, and have integrated it fully. That might be a good intention to set before a ceremony with a medicine, which is show me something I'm not seeing about Mm -hmm. this big life thing that's happening. And so many times the intention will be met. As long as you truly believe that that's what you want and you kind of pray from a humble place almost, 
that like, please show me something I'm not seeing and work with a medicine, you could get that, um, that experience that, oh my God, maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's not so bad. Maybe it's what I need. Maybe it'll make it better. You know? Totally. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a good rule of thumb is in in terms of when to use psychedelics Mm -hmm. might be like when you're at some kind of a crossroads or you're, you're like between places or you're, you're kind of like you're one phase of your life has ended and you're not quite sure what, where to go next. Mm -hmm. Um, it's definitely not a good place to get stuck where you're just, you know, doing them again and again and again and, and not taking action right. in your life. Like mm-hmm. it's been a few years since I've done any psychedelics. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, 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 I microdose mm-hmm. psilocybin on a fairly regular basis, but mm-hmm. in terms of a deep journey, right. because I've had a very busy few years where I've got a lot of stuff to do mm-hmm. and to focus on. And I have a lot of direction and purpose. Thank God. Exactly. And I'm, and, and my hands are full and I'm good. Like I know what I need to do. Right. Um, now I'm, I'm I just finished my new book. I feel a little bit more spacious, so I'm I'm ready to maybe um, tap back in and 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 kind of maybe explore what's next. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, but yeah, it's definitely there. It's not something you want to get too attached to relying on. I agree. <laughs> I agree, and I say for the most part, many of these medicines have an intelligence inside that will tell you not to abuse them and will tell you not to come back until you've done a certain thing. They'll kind of be like, here's what you're supposed to do. Now don't come back. You know, like I've gotten that download a bunch of times where it's like, look, I'm glad you're here. Here's the thing. We'll see you in a long while. Okay. Later partner. You know, yeah, it's I love there. It's like anti addicting because it literally yes. says don't come back. Whereas like a normal quote unquote drug is like, use me, use me, use me, you know? <laughs> no, I know. Yeah. The, uh, it's so that, that's such a fascinating topic is the, the, the intelligence of these plants. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've, I've been studying just the, the behavior of mushrooms and fungi <laughs> a little bit lately. And, uh, Man, mush- mushrooms are an alien life form. Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about psilocybin. I'm talking about all mushrooms. Mm-hmm. The, the mycelial network that forms in, in, in the ground is a vast interconnected web of intelligence. Mm-hmm. And psilocybin mushrooms are one expression of that. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact that this web of intelligence that, I mean, I, I know that there are theories that mushrooms spawned from extraterrestrial debris yeah. <laughs> that came to earth and, and created this network. I don't know if that's true or not. It's, it, mm-hmm. it's a theory, yeah. but there's so much wisdom and intelligence in all fungi, all mushrooms. And mm-hmm. the fact that we can kind of tap into that and, 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 and have a, re- a bit of a relationship, at least momentarily. Yeah. It's, it's very profound. Right. Yeah. I've gotten that download. You know, it's a quick glimpse. It's nothing that's like taking up a whole journey for me, but it'll, it'll say something along the lines or it'll um, not say, but it'll almost a hint that like this is from another planet and earth is just one of many planets with life. 
And this intelligence spans the universe, not just earthly consciousness. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll just come as a little insight, just a little 10 second window of these things are from space. Whoa. <laughs> okay. On to the next thing, you know? Um, <laughs> totally. It just feels like it's apparent. It's weird. And, and then the way I would visualize it is almost a comet. Because we know comets come from deep space where there's ice and freezing temperatures, sub-zero temperatures. That ice might preserve some type of spore or mushroom. And when it lands on the ground uh, in on the Earth, if it survives, somehow maybe the ice stays intact and slowly melts. And now that little thing has entered the atmosphere safely. And it can begin its little, you know, act of create, procreation and more and more and more, more mushrooms, you know, maybe this was a barren ass earth until the mushroom landed. And then it started to create all the things required for life to be present. And not only that, you made me think when you talked about the interconnected web as above, so below, oh, after so long of the interconnected web, the internet literally below the ground, we've now made the internet above the ground. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I, I we don't have a lot of time to get into technology, but that is definitely a, a form of, in, you know, intelligence unto itself. I mean, the the relationship between the Internet and the psychedelic realm is 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 one that's worth yeah. exploring. But without it's, the it, Internet, the psychedelic renaissance might not be happening. That's true, too. <laughs> but little just the space that you're in. Like, I, I think that there I'm really interested in. um you know the 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 work of Terence McKenna and a lot yeah. of his talks and and writings <clears throat> and one thing he kind of tapped me into is is this interest just the question of the relationship between the internet the imagination and psychedelics mm-hmm. and is there an overlap between is it possible that these are all elements of the same world mm-hmm. that we're kind of tapping into in different ways Right. Because the internet is a very psychedelic experience when you really think about it. It is. We have and this so the imagination. Infinite access to infinite information. You know, yeah. I've I've had the little thought experiment as if you were to take an iPhone connected to five G back five hundred years and you could answer any question for these people, that'd be indistinguishable from magic. Sure. And now we're seeing the the, the new um AI chatbots. Right. Are very even t- from our perspective when we grew up with the internet mm-hmm. even from our perspective it seems magical mm-hmm. so um yeah i mean the the i think that is, that's that's an interesting one is um what what is you know what what is the internet what is artificial intelligence what is the imagination what is the psychedelic realm mm-hmm. um and is 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 that a new you know i think we've We've discovered all the land on Earth, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the land, um, yes, not the water. In, in, like in in theory, like yeah, it, we, in theory, we've had explorers that have gone and explored and found all all the islands and all the continents, totally. and we've kind of mapped it out. But is there is this a new terrain? Maybe Absolutely. maybe we're not going to Mars. Maybe, maybe I, I you know I wonder if the nature of the universe and reality is not one that is spatial. Mm-hmm. It's not a time and space question. It's mm-hmm. a question of dimension. I agree. And is the fact that we're having the psychedelic renaissance 
that coincides with the rise of the internet and now artificial intelligence mm-hmm. are we and the metaverse you know are we somehow tapping into an, a, a, a a dimension that is the new field for exploration and discovery the same way that land was for the past you know several thousands of years absolutely yeah i love that thought and and when i look into um for instance, ancient Indian mythology, um, they have actually outlined all these almost mental planes, which are really mm. interesting. Um, and, you know, it holds some type of weight in that psychedelic realm of thought that it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense logically that we're on the back of a turtle right now, right? Uh, but when you have these psychedelic experiences, you kind of can see a little bit more like, damn, there are totally different worlds almost. And the truth is stranger than fiction. And maybe we are flying through the universe on the back of a cosmic turtle. I don't know. Like, I don't know. And it, it does lead me to the, I don't know, which is so so humbling, but it's so funny that then it, it's like most people don't know. Most people don't know. No, no one knows. Yeah, no one knows. You know, at we least think, we it, th- we think we know, but we don't really know. Yeah, like we, I think that you know, science has become a religion, and this mm-hmm. science is great. Obviously, I mean, mm-hmm. but um, it's it's extremely limited in its its ability to really crack the code of reality. I mean, we we understand the nature of our world on a surface level better, mm-hmm. but science can't begin to dis explain where where life truly comes from or you know what what power is truly um mm-hmm. within the sun mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. or, or how or how the, the the perfect magic of the solar system and how it corresponds to right. all these different patterns um yeah. you know science really comes up short in in in, in answering a lot of these big questions so mm-hmm. um having that humble you know, mystical agnosticism to admit you don't know everything. And to bring it back to Mary Oliver's quote, leave some room in your heart for the unimaginable. Mm-hmm. Love that. Yeah. I want to start uh, winding it down now because I know we're close on time, but, but when you just said there, the sun, it did make me think that, you know, psychedelics, particularly mushrooms tend to give me this animistic point of view which means nature is alive. The rocks are alive. The planets are alive. Um, I definitely see why the Egyptians working with psychedelics would think that the sun is a god because if the sun is alive and it's a being, it's literally providing us food, light, and, you know, photosynthesis to grow. It's, it's providing so much literally. to the world. Seasons... Yeah. Like all the changes, they're all coming from the sun. And it, it might, you know, it may be a being. And it's funny how so many people would swear they would put their life on that is not a being. They would literally be like, that is a ball of fucking fire in the sky before they would ever even think, could that be a consciousness? Yeah. I wonder sometimes, like, I've wondered a little bit whether whether there is what maybe there is there is no spiritual world like it's all it's all here right. but like 
things can be multiple things at once. Like you might, cause like, for example, I've, I've met people in my life that have like just showed up and like saved me from some, some situation. And it's like, oh man, that was an angel. Like mm-hmm. that was like an angel that showed up and like saved me and like, I'll never see them again. Mm-hmm. So I wonder like if, if, if the spiritual world is actually here mm-hmm. in a, in, in, in a material form in a way. And we're, and, and, and we're kind of like, we, we have that mental disconnect where it's like, oh, there's the spirit world and then there's this. And that's true to a degree, but maybe it's just different um, ways of seeing the same place. It is. So what I'm saying is like, if there was something to point to and say, that's God, it certainly would be the sun. Mm-hmm. And yeah, maybe maybe there's something like that where it's like, yeah, the, the, the sun is the physical manifestation of that same God energy. Because it gives us life, it, it it literally like allows us to be alive, and it it feeds us, and it feeds the the plants. Um. So yeah, I definitely think there's there's some truth to that. Where like, and even like one of my favorite spiritual practices that I've developed in recent years has just been being in the sun. Mm-hmm. Just sun, sun, sun bathing, sun gazing, just like. I feel like I receive information when I give myself ample time in the sun. And especially like here in Texas in the summer, the sun is so intense, but like if you go out there in the evening, so it's not, it's not bright, but it's not, it's, it's not setting quite yet, but it's like, it's, 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 it's not brutally hot anymore, but I've gone out to, you know, Zilker park and just soaked in the sun. And I, for me, that's as potent of a spiritual practice as there is. 100%. I love that. Um, what you were saying there about maybe this is the spiritual dimension, like I had that insight, and you've heard the term, it's right beneath your nose before. That's what it is. It's literally yeah. right in front of us, so yeah. much so that we can't see it. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. It could be. It could I, be. I've seen that where I saw the Garden of Eden, and it's just the park on a Wednesday. It's Ooh. just being at the park on a Wednesday. That's the Garden of Eden. It's here. It's here. It's just whether or not you can see it, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, and it's just how, it's just what we tune into. That's why it goes back to consciousness. It's a, it's a state of mind and a state of consciousness mm-hmm. more than a place. Like. Yeah people want to transcend earth and transcend reality. It's like, actually, no, it's a, it's, it's, it's having more appreciation for reality. Mm-hmm. It's not ascending, it's grounding into it and yeah. truly being here now. And then heaven is a state of mind. It's a state of consciousness. It's a state of being rather than a place. A thousand percent. That's perfect, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Amazing chat. Um, yeah, bro. Great, great, great to catch up with you. Absolutely. An honor, man. Uh, where can we point people to find you, websites, things you're offering, any upcoming events and all that good stuff? Yeah. I, um, my Instagram is at words are vibrations, all one word. Um, you can go to the link in my bio there and check out my website, jamesmccray.com. I have a couple books for sale. Um, my first book is called Shit Your Ego Says, kind of an autobiographical self-help 
book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my second book is How to Laugh on Ironic Amusement During Your Existential Crisis, Love which that. is a book of poetry and memes mm-hmm. um, inspired by the state of the world today. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I, I work with clients and I, and I teach classes. Um, so I help people with, um, with branding, with content, with creativity, with growing an audience, um, things along those lines. I run classes um, on these topics. I teach a meme class, which you've, you, which you've yeah, taken. I love and it. then I also work with clients one-on-one. So feel free to reach out or email me if you're interested in working together. Love it. Yeah, definitely highly recommend James's work. Uh, dive into his his uh, his content and the offerings as far as um, these courses and the consultation. It's definitely super insightful. I definitely recommend everyone check it out if they're trying to narrow down what their creative flow is in this lifetime. So um, thank you guys for listening to the podcast. We'll be back next season. This is the season finale. And uh, thank you, James, for being here. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Absolutely.